Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old school greats and new school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. This episode of the Ghost Story Guys is brought to you by Studio Headphones. As you've no doubt heard me say before, the model they sent me was the Studio Tray, their newest model designed for someone with an active lifestyle. They still sent it to me though. The Tray has become my go-to set of headphones. The sweatproof design and custom wing tips make sure they stay comfortably in my ears while I'm moving around, in stark contrast to my old headphones which had two positions, perforating my eardrums and falling out while doing something important. With 9 plus hours of active battery life and 10 days of standby life, the tray is the perfect companion for you at home or on the go. If you want to get your own pair of Studio Tray or any other model, go to studio.com, that's S-U-D-I-O.com, and enter the promo code GHOSTSTORYGUYS at checkout for 15% off your order. Again, for 15% off your order, go to studio.com and enter the promo code GHOSTSTORYGUYS. Now on with the show. your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Storr. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun is set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 27, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? Shoot me. <laughs> yeah, you look you look rough. Man. I have been sick for a week. This is me on the other side looking better. Oh god. Yeah, it's not good. What is it a cold? Yeah, it just is everywhere. Uh head, chest. Yeah, it's just a good time. Well, 
Keep it over there, plague ship. Yeah, thanks for your sympathy. Yeah, hey. Anytime. <laughs> I, don't you have a ghost walk after this? No. You know what? I, I, I did, but I canceled it because I thought I can come in and sit here for a couple hours and talk, but wandering around downtown for 90 minutes, it's just not going to no, work. No, that's a horrible idea. <laughs> it's a horrible idea. So, yeah. So, that's what I'm doing. And I have a hopefully a somewhat job interview on Monday. Of so course, right? Yeah. I want to be not uh, plague yeah. ridden for that. But how have you been? I'm good. I'm, I'm excited good. to try out this fancy new recording equipment. It is fancy. There's so much more uh, room. It's pretty cool. But how did you end up buying this thing? Like, uh, don't we do we have some sort of secret recording purchase budget I don't know about? The first time I knew about it, you sent me a picture of it. Well, uh, <clears throat> the well, as with most things I do, the decision <laughs> happened pretty fast. <laughs> Meaning impulse buy. Yes. No, no, no. This actually, this wasn't impulsive. I'm pretty good at that. I did okay. impulse buy. Okay. But, uh, no, the last episode was a goddamn nightmare to put together. Right. That fairy episode nearly killed me. Oh, no. Oh, man. The research, I mean, Luke helped, Luke did the research. Yeah, it was a But lot I still had to synthesize and, and yes. kind of put it all together. And that was a pain in my ass. Okay. And then the, the we had so many technical issues. Do you think it was the fairies? But who knows? The if, small folk? I'm not saying anything bad about them just in no, case. No, me neither. Mm-mm. But uh, so I, I, one of the biggest problems was mic levels. Right. Your side and my side was all out of whack. Yeah. So I was messaging Steve from Hexagram, who you should check out on Spotify or yep. wherever else you get your music. That's yep. Hexagram with two X's, not three. <laughs> and he was trying to help me figure out how to avoid it happening in future. Right. Um, and there's a lot of technical shit I'm not going to get into. The Good, because I don't really care. No, no one does. No one does. Uh, but basically, he suggested that we try an interface instead of a mixer. Okay. And so I, I, I picked this guy up. And, and about the budget, I paid for it with money I, I won betting on the Super Bowl. Oh, my God. Are you serious? How did that happen? You don't even like football. Nope, I do not. But I like gambling. <laughs> and I had a good feeling about the Eagles. Of course you did. You, I, you, actually, you know what happened? I was sitting in, uh, Nikki and I went to go check out Bingo, which we do a couple times a year. Right. Judge me all you want. I don't care. I am. I know you are. <laughs> you son of a bitch. But uh, so we were checking out Bingo, and she asked me who I thought was going to win the Super Bowl. Okay. Because it was on the, one of the many televisions they have there, so people don't have to think about what exactly it is they're doing with their life. Right, yeah. And uh, I immediately I said, oh, it's the Eagles. Now, I know jack shit about football. Right. I, I know how the game is played. I'm not yeah, one yeah. of those assholes who says, oh, they sports the sports. Like, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. we get it. You don't yeah, like yeah, sports. Yeah, But uh, I just don't care. But I, I just, my first thought was Eagles. And then I, I thought, well, hang on, though. The Patriots have won six in a row. There's no way they're going to lose this one. But I thought, no, I'm going to trust that. So I immediately went on Bet365. Oh, my God. You actively went out of your way. This wasn't like someone challenged you to, to bet. No, no. I, I did it on a sports book site. Oh, my God. <laughs> your depravity knows no bounds. Gambling, drugs. <laughs> yeah, those are all true, actually. <laughs> I know. And next to my console, I have a stack of uh, pictures of naked ladies. Oh, Jesus. Which you got me those. I, yeah, you're right. You're right. And uh, so I shuffled them up. Got we picked. A new, I got a new girl on top. Do you? Oh, so wait. Do you shuffle them up and then pick a girl, and that's your theme of the day? Is it? Well, no. She, it's my my good luck charm. So today we have Cassidy, who looks lovely. Yeah. Okay. Because she's airbrushed to the nines. Don't don't ruin this for me. Kids. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, she's naturally. She doesn't mean it, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> lonely, lonely man. <laughs> well, I'm just glad we have this mixer. I'm looking forward to trying it out. And the fact that the lights flash when I talk, that just makes me happy. I'm I'm happy you're happy. Yeah, I'm like a magpie. Ooh, it's shiny. <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm good. Well, hopefully it'll cut down. The biggest thing I wanted to cut down on is the... Uh, 
Uh, the, yeah, the, you the, breathe like a the porno theater heavy breathing. Yeah, yes. that would be yes. yes. Well, if you put those girl cards away, maybe that will help <laughs> too. Never, <laughs> you'll pry them from my cold dead. Uh, yeah, ew. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to trying it out too. And, yeah. and if anything goes wrong, we are 100% blaming Steve. I'm good with that. Yes. Awesome. So let's tell the good folks what we're going to be talking about on this episode. Well, last week I went to go and see the new movie Winchester about Didn't the Winchester. Call me. That's fine. Don't worry. Mystery House. <laughs> <laughs> went to see the, the Winchester Mystery House. And yes, I did not call you. Um, even though we talked about it on episode 25, we wanted to take a deeper look at it. Uh, and another famous haunted house that, as it turns out, isn't quite what its reputation suggests. Yes. We are going to be staring into an abyss of lies and exaggeration. Nice. And you know what they say about gazing into the abyss? The abyss also gazes back and on this episode is our special musical guest. What? <laughs> the special musical guest is the abyss. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> that is a terrible, terrible joke. You're just jealous. No. I'm not <laughs> jealous. It's like the the daddest jokes of all. It's kind of more my territory. I'm going to see that as a compliment, and uh, you can go f*** yourself. <laughs> but uh, for real, though, our musical guest on this episode is The Abyss. That's uh, cool. Yeah, Synthwave Artist based out of Ashboro, North Carolina. The track we'll be featuring tonight is The Outlands, which you can find along with the rest of The Abyss's catalog on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash radioabyss. Coming up after the break, we'll be breaking down the legend of Sarah Winchester, the Amityville haunting, and Brennan, hopefully, will have better jokes. Will I, though? In my quiet moments, I dream. Like we said before the break, on this episode, we're going to be looking at some hauntings that, well, they weren't. Mm-hmm. They weren't hauntings. Mm-hmm. Or, or not, they were They were mostly bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and since you just saw the movie Winchester, yeah. we're going to start with the story of the Winchester Mansion. Mm-hmm. And we spoke about this briefly on the anniversary episode because Wendy, one of our listeners, w- had sent in stories about her own experiences there. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to hear your thoughts on the movie because I haven't had a chance to see it yet. Well, I'm pretty excited because it's a movie that I've seen and you haven't, so that's, <laughs> that's pretty weird. I think I think it's great. The more people I get to talk to about movies, the better. So, okay. W- what did you think about it? I actually really liked it. Um, I I mean, it's 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 pr- a little bit predictable, right? Um, it, but as far as a story goes, it's a fun story. Um, I think Helen Mirren does a great job, and well, Helen Mirren's great in almost mm, everything. Yeah, and uh, and this is no exception. And I I like the sort of little weird subplots they had going on, and, right? Um, 
I enjoyed it. I, I, I knew watching it that what I was watching was 99% bullshit. Right. Um, but it didn't take away from just enjoying the movie with the occasional jump scare and, and things like that. Well, the guys who made it the, are, are the Spearing Brothers. I can't remember their individual names. But they directed two really good movies. There's one called, I think, Unsane. Oh. And another one called, hang on, Daybreakers with okay. Ethan Hawke. And okay. they're both really solid movies. Yeah, no, so it was good. And, and I, I enjoyed seeing the house. And um, Was it shot on location? Do you know? I don't know. Uh, you didn't see much of the house. Right. Um, but uh, they kind of showed up in the same hallways repeatedly. But um, <laughs> but it was- We have three sets, and by God, we're going to we're use going them. We're going to use them, yeah, no. But it was good, and I, I enjoyed that sort of historical aspect of it. Right. I know um, I, when I was doing the research for this, I saw what uh, Sarah Winchester really looked like. Right. She does not look like Helen Mirren. It no. was an upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> Helen Mirren is, I think, in her 70s. Yeah. And when I was in L.A. at the uh, AFI Fest back in 2016, I was about from me to you away from her. Oh, I, wow. Yeah, I was standing outside the Egyptian theater waiting for the premiere of uh, De Niro's The Comedian to start. Right. And I brought a book to read in line, and, and I bought the fancy Nerd. Day. Yeah, well. <laughs> it's that or frig around my phone. Yeah, so, sure. Uh, but I'm reading my book, Leaning Against the Wall, and because I'd paid for the fancy, you know, no poor people pass, You're right. I, I got to stand in the express line. Right. And I, I, I looked kind of up, and I thought, oh, that lady uh, looks like Helen Mirren. And I went back to my book, and I looked up again, and no, no, it was Helen Mirren. She was That's just standing cool. there in this purple gown uh, texting someone. <laughs> <laughs> And she's tiny, but she's, yeah. even, again, she's in her 70s. She's a gorgeous lady. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. So Sarah Winchester was the wife of William Winchester, whose father, Oliver, started the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. Uh, they, of course, manufactured, well, the great American institution that, that is firearms. <laughs> Their 1873 model was famously marketed as the gun that won the West. <laughs> uh, I, we're going to be very careful here because of what just happened. Yeah. We're not going to. We had a whole thing on here about guns, uh, sort of joking, but no, we're, no, we're not, we're we're not, not going to do that. that. Yeah, no. so we're, we, we're, we forget how lucky we are to live in Canada. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, that's it. That, yeah, we're just yeah. moving on. Yep, moving on. Uh, so Oliver Winchester started the Winchester Repeating Arms Company in 1857, right. and then he died in 1880. Of, of what? What did he die of? Well, Christ, I don't know. Not being alive anymore. <laughs> Acute death. What am I, his personal physician? <laughs> You're the detail guy. I thought you know. I mean, to be fair, though, most of these guys, um, if they don't know what they died from, it's heart failure. It's right. like, well, yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> know. Uh, I, I tried, actually. I did try to find a cause of death, but none of the articles I found online stated the cause Okay. Of death. Interesting. Yeah. And, and one said he'd been ill for a while, but in 1880 that could be anything well yeah I mean like, back then you, you could die of infection from a stubbed toe it was like Game of Thrones you really could it wasn't a, wasn't a banner time for medicine <laughs> it really wasn't uh, they they couldn't treat you so they just gave all the diseases cute names like dropsy yeah exactly yeah, consumption tell me straight doc why do my eyes keep sneaking out of my head at night and murdering poor people as they sleep not to worry old bean it's just the woofles <laughs> take this cocaine and you'll be just fine <laughs> Problem solved. Telling you. <laughs> Cocaine, the quicker picker <laughs> upper. Uh, moving on. Mm -hmm. Oliver Winchester died in December 1880, and ownership of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company passed to his son William, who again, in true Game of Thrones style, <laughs> uh, didn't actually get a chance to enjoy his time at the top, as he himself died of tuberculosis three months later in March. You mean consumption? Of course, yeah. <laughs> he got the vapors. He got the vapors. He died of Doc Holliday disease. <laughs> 
Uh, William's death left his wife Sarah as holder of the Iron Throne, and uh, it was it was a rich position to be in. Yeah, I mean, she inherited something like the equivalent of five hundred million dollars in today's money, didn't she? And gave her a daily income of just under twenty four grand. So she made in a week more than we make combined in two years. Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> On the bright side, no one's going to make up bullshit stories about you after you die. Well, hopefully not. Uh, but for 24000 a day in exchange for some idiot telling stories about me, hey, where do I sign? <laughs> I'm, I'm good for that. People talk about me now for free, so what do I care? <laughs> for twenty five grand a day, you can tell everyone I write love letters to the moon and wrote to work on a panther. I don't care. <laughs> or wrote lo- love letters to a panther and rode the moon to work. Who cares? I'm rich. Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rich, screw you. The story of Ian Gibbs. <laughs> That's why I always believed I've never won the lottery, because I really probably just couldn't handle it. Well, I think I just turned into a huge monster. I like to think I like to say that money allows you to be the truest version of you you can be. Oh, well, there you go, then. And That's why I haven't yeah, won the lottery. Yeah, no, you would be, <laughs> you would be like a moral Godzilla. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. So I'd hire someone just to pour my drinks. I know you would. I know I would. And you'd pay the minimum wage. If that. Just on prints, of course. I keep them in a little cage under the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, this is this is not good. Well, I mean, this is this recording is your Illuminati application, so <laughs> I think you'll get in. You know what? This whole thing's a scratch because I'm on cold medicine, so nothing I say can be held against me. I don't know if that's legal, but... I think it is. Oh. I've decided. All right. <laughs> my, <laughs> my attorney here has decreed. <laughs> exactly. So anyways, the story goes that after William's death, Sarah, who by this point had lost her father-in-law, husband, and baby daughter Annie some mm, years earlier, mm-hmm. was encouraged by her friends to seek guidance from a psychic medium. She had a daughter. Yeah, she did, yeah. Uh, baby Annie had a condition called marasmus, and so Sarah and William basically had to watch her starve to death. Oh, it's apparently no. an ability to absorb certain nutrients. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was it was awful. I mean, someone out there is no doubt going to notice we've told Sarah's story thus far almost entirely in the context of the men in her life. Mm-hmm. And, and that's because I really wanted to joke about old-timey medicine, but there was no way in hell I could do that on the back of a dead baby. Even you, eh? Even me. <laughs> There's a line. So... Oliver Winchester died of Wuffles. <laughs> we talk about Baby Annie now. Oh, my God. So uh, at this point, I should say that Sarah Winchester was a whip-smart lady. Yes. By the time she was 12, she spoke several languages, and as she grew, was known to have an excellent knowledge of classical literature and quite the talent as a musician. Mm-hmm. So when I say Sarah Winchester went to see a psychic, it's because at the time it was considered a reasonable thing for a person who had money to do. Well, yeah, and I mean, the spiritualist movement really took off around that time um, after the Civil War. Um, the, of course, uh, right. And, and especially after the Spanish influenza in 1917. Um, uh, but in between those times, that's when the spiritualist movement not only took hold, but became pretty Pop, pretty mainstream. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, for Sarah to go wouldn't have been that unusual. I've actually been, did I never tell you this, I've been to two spiritualist masses. No. There's a spiritualist church here in town. And it was fine. Like, I like the sermons are just common sense stuff, but I cannot handle the singing because they just took popular songs and turned them into hymns. No. Oh, yeah. So you're sitting there, you know, you have the, the sheet in front of you, it's a boy zone song. Or, no. or, or literally, isn't there an ABBA song, I Believe in Angels? Yeah. Yeah, imagine singing that in the style of a hymn. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, and try to imagine not praying for the sweet release of death. <laughs> I would I would have a hard time just not laughing. Yeah, well, there was that too. Yeah. Oh, and, and the every sermon started with the song, uh, Where I Sit is Holy, Holy is the Ground, and it was done in this sort of faux... First Nations chant? No. It's so inappropriate. And the thing's no. got like those, you know, 
Oh Jesus! Yeah, all, all I was waiting for is someone to to like come out with a headdress on. I think with a spiritualist church, they should probably just not have music. I would be okay with that. That would be better. Yeah. That, like, no, I would. We'll get together. We'll share some words of wisdom. We'll move on. Yep. And then they also do a display of platform mediumship at the end. Oh, no. Which I feel would be more impressive if all these people didn't know each other. <laughs> Mary, Mary, it's it's your damn ex-husband again. <laughs> he says he's sorry for being such a smelly piece of shit. <gasps> he was a smelly piece of shit. Yeah. There's no way you could have known this in the years we've we've kept company. And and he wished he had done more to help you with your car. I do have a car. <laughs> yes, right. I no. wish thought I could be a pretty good fake psychic. You absolutely could. Yeah, because yeah. you just got to talk fast and bullshit. People. Yeah, talk fast and read people. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so going back to Sarah, Sarah poor Sarah. Sarah. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of personal details actually known about her. Most of what is known comes from historian Mary J. Ignatho's book, Captive of the Labyrinth, which was itself taken from Sarah's correspondence. Mm. Uh, the legends say the medium she found, Adam Coombs from Boston, told her she was beset by the spirits of all those who had been killed by Winchester rifles, and she must move to the West Coast and build a structure that could house those many spirits so they would not take her to hell. But before she did that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. She took a three-year round around the world trip, which kind of puts uh, the lie to her trying desperately to uh, evade the spirits. Yeah. I, I mean, I know the world moved slower back then, but even <laughs> so, come on, three years—that's a stretch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and this is really where the legend breaks down because it, it depends on your image of Sarah Winchester being that of some forlorn soul swanning around Connecticut in a black dress. <laughs> but but she was a sharp, capable lady who had enough wherewithal to sail the world after her husband kicked mm-hmm. off. It's hard to imagine her wringing her hands and taking seriously some ding-dong with a crystal ball saying the demons are coming. <laughs> when she got back from her three-year world trip, she moved to Santa Clara Valley, which is now San Jose, because a lot of her relatives had already moved out there. They were scattered from San Francisco all the way down to Sacramento. Which I have to assume was a better place back then. If these people move there by choice. So you don't care for Sacramento? Not a nice place? I've never been, but nothing I've heard about it makes me regret that. You have? I, I went for a job interview there. Is it awful? Because um, it, it, it's pretty awful. Yeah. Uh, I went in October. Right. And they set me up for three days in a hotel in a rental car, which is very nice. True. And the downside for them was I had two days to explore the city. And so by the time I was done, I went to the job review. It went very well. They offered me the job and I actually turned them down um, because what I saw was it was October and it was hotter than I ever want to be. Right. It's nowhere near the ocean. So there's no break in the unrelenting heat. And the poor are so poor. And my kid was six at the time. And uh, I said, I don't want to have to explain to my child that this isn't normal. Right. That where we live and how we live in this place is not really how the world works. I said no to the job. No, I don't blame you. Yeah. And and, and that that backs me up in saying the only two good things in Northern California, apart from San Francisco, are Yosemite National Park and this espresso, st- espresso stand near Fresno where the baristas wear bikinis. Oh, my God. We made it this far without this, but you just had to go there, didn't you? I'm not going to dwell on it for God's sake. Just- <laughs> 
this one barista I follow on Instagram, she decided to start a private Snapchat to help pay her court costs. Oh my God, so I know get, where this is going. Custody of her kid, and I thought about it. Of course you did. To help her get her kid back. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, that's your whole motivation. <laughs> I just want to help a poor woman get her kid back. Brennan Starr, here out of single moms everywhere, <laughs> so long as they serve coffee in a bikini. Is that it? Does that yeah, no, sum it up? Yeah, that's close. Did you do it? No, no, no. It felt gross. The whole private Snapchat thing is weird. I, it makes well, I'm glad to know there are lines that even you won't cross. Yeah, I let's, know. I was surprised, too. Let's get back to poor Sarah. So she moved to what's now San Jose. She bought an eight-room far- farmhouse on a huge spread of farmland, something like 160 acres, and immediately she began renovating it. Now, according to the legends, including ones still told during tours of that friggin' house today, once construction started, it didn't stop until Sarah died 38 years later. They say the workers went at it 24 hours a day, working in rotating shifts, driven onward by Sarah's terror that the ghosts would come to take her if she ever stopped. They say she held seances every day in her seance room to see what the spirits demanded she build next. They said that the houses many sort of weird features, like skylights looking into other rooms and rooms within rooms and stairs into the ceiling, were all either the spirit's idea or her attempt to fool or trap them. <laughs> and, like, almost all of that is bullshit. Yeah. Uh, like we said, that most of it was actually dis- disproved by Mary Jo Ignoffo in Captain of the, Captain of the Labyrinth. Construction did not continue without stopping for 38 years. Uh, in her correspondence, Winchester described sending her workers away for months at a, to- months at a time. Uh, the seance room, which, again, the goddamn guides still talk about, <laughs> was just another room until some bullshit puff piece was pu- published in 1928, six years after she died. Right. Now, at the time, seances were a social occasion, mm-hmm. and they would have been held in the parlor, not some stanky closet. <laughs> and as the reason for all that building, Sarah was an incredibly rich amateur architect who couldn't do the job professionally because society wouldn't allow that for a moment. Right. So she used her ridiculous 50-cent PIMP era money <laughs> to experiment with designs in her own house. Yeah, that's and right. all those... Doors and stairways to nowhere, which a lot of people say is somehow that's incontrovertible proof that the legend is true. Right. Before the 1906 San Francisco earthquake, they led somewhere. Yeah. But the house was severely damaged by all the shaking. Yeah. And Sarah realized how poor her designs were. Yeah. So she had the workmen clean up the mess and instead of rebuilding, just repaired what she could and left it. Yeah. Then she moved. Yeah. And she only periodically ever came back to the house. Well, yeah. And like we said in the anniversary episode, our listener Wendy told us about her visit to the house. And though she believes the house is haunted, there's no sense at all of the kind of curse that people talk about. Literally, all of that was invented by later owners to kind of drive up publicity so they could sell tickets to their freaky house. Yeah, yeah. Even Sarah's whole obsession with the number 13 thing was an invention of later owners. They actually added things to try and convince people that it was legit, which mm. is sneaky. Yeah, no, that's that's not good at all. I mean, because the place is pretty cool all on its own, I feel like they don't need some BS story to convince people to go there. It's almost like when a place advertises it's haunted, you know it's not a thing. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and there's a place here in town like that, isn't there, where they don't advertise the haunting, but every now and again someone ends up at the front desk in the middle of the night all pissed off? Yeah, it's now part of the Huntington Manor. Um, they refer to it as the Gatsby Mansion, but they're actually bringing it back to call it the Pendre House, which is oh, what really? it originally was. Yeah, William Pendre owned it. Um, basically, it's it's in my book, uh, Victoria's Most Haunted, um, available everywhere fine books are sold. Much like my book, A Strange Little Place, The Hauntings and Unexplained Events of One Small Town. Whatever. Do you want me to tell the story or not? Sure. <laughs> All right. So the house was built on a piece of land that had previously uh, been just part of the harbor. Um, the The connection is that it, William Pendre had a factory built on another piece of land called Dead Man's Point. Right. It was called Dead Man's Point 
the First Nations people did sky burial there in the trees. It was not an ancient burial ground. They did sky burial in the trees. (laughs) Um, As a result of this, when William um, came to town, he wanted to uh, build a factory, um, or he wanted to rebuild a factory, because before that, another factory had been built there. This guy cut down all the trees. When the bones began falling out of the trees, this workman said, what do we do? And he said, you know what? Pile them in a big pile. We'll burn them. And what doesn't burn, we'll just shovel into the ocean later, which is what they did. Classic. Yeah. So he built a factory there. It was going to be a furniture factory. He built a house about a kilometer away. And one night, soon after the factory was built, the house and the factory caught on fire at the same time. Right. So he and his wife barely got out alive, and she actually went crazy and died. She just would not stop talking about the firemen who were inside the house, running their hands on the curtains and the Jesus. walls as they were fleeing from the house. She said she saw them dancing and leaping and laughing. So, factory burns down. Shockingly, it took 40 years before anybody was willing to rebuild there. And that's when our friend Mr. Pendray came along. He was going to build a paint factory. Right. So he rebuilt. He wasn't that concerned about, you know, ancient Aboriginal curses, but he was concerned about fire. And so he put in what was very um, uh, kind of a new and fresh idea for Victoria, a a fire suppression system. So it was basically cast iron pipes with holes drilled in it, and there was a big wheel. And if um, a fire started, they could turn the wheel, and the water would come down uh, below and put out the fire. Right. He built his factory. He's walking through it before it started production. And as he is, one of these great pipes up in the ceiling wrenched its way free and struck him in the head, crushing oh. his head. His now that's son- laying pipe. You're terrible. Yeah. So his son uh, was then, hey, you get a promotion. <laughs> um, his son was then in charge of the factory. His son uh, had a horse and buggy, very quick. He loved it. He was in his early 20s. So not much different than guys today. He ends up uh, driving the horse and buggy to work one day. As he gets to the gates of the factory, the horse stops suddenly. He's thrown from the carriage, and then the horse takes off. And unfortunately for our friend, the uh, very heavy carriage wheel went over his neck, separating his head from his body. So not so great. Uh, The factory, of course, is long gone. There's a hotel there now. But the house is, the original house of the Pendres is still there. And the story is that people will um, be in one certain bedroom in that house. They wake up in the middle of the night. They see sort of glowing green, a couple of glowing green things over the bed. And then as they're lying there staring up at them trying to figure out what they are, they morph into the heads of William and his son. Oh, man. And they're just circling the bed. That's some Scooby-Doo stuff. I know, right? And then people just head out. They're like, yeah, no, I'm good. I mean, I don't know what I would do. I wouldn't. I'm going to start doing that whenever I check into a hotel. Oh, sir, we have your room. Room 328. Great. Is it haunted? (laughs) No? Okay, we're good. We're good. Yeah. But I'm just going to ask flat out. Is it haunted? (laughs) You said the front desk actually has a protocol in place for that. Yeah, they do. They they have a, basically a room ready to move them into because no one seems to make the whole night through. Huh. Yeah. I, I know someone who worked at a, uh, a hotel in Alberta. I can't remember specifically where, but part of the employee orientation is how to deal with the resident spirits. Wow. Yeah. I heard this years ago back when I was still working out at my old gym. Yeah. And yeah, the gal working there, she said they were told the elevator sometimes stops halfway up the floor. Yeah. If it does, yell out, I can't remember the name, yeah. Gerald. Gerald, quit it. Or Gerald, please. Yeah. And it goes again. Wow. And she said it's legit. She said it's not a situation either where if you don't say it, eventually it starts moving on its own anyways because they tried. It would say, say nothing and the elevator would sit there. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, Gerald, come on. Up it goes. 
Interesting. Yeah. And That's there, cool. There's, um, I was talking to someone who used to work on the railroad, and uh, one of the crew hotels in, uh, I want to say Field or Golden, mm-hmm. is haunted. And the staff yes. know, and the staff know. Yeah, in the field. It's field. Is it field? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting, the thing about field, too, is when I did Coast to Coast, I actually had someone call in who traveled sort of through the, the Rogers Pass area, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and when they got to field, their car died. Oh, wow. But they couldn't get anyone to come out of a house. Wow. Yeah. They said it was the craziest thing. They just... Field is weird. It's got a really weird feel. I don't think I've ever really been there. Yeah. No, it is It is definitely different. And yeah. the, they said all of this, their electrics all died. Wow. And like so they couldn't get anyone to come out of a house. Anyone. And they said there was no one on the street. There was no noise. No. And then all of a sudden, their car just started working again. Wow. And they drove out of town and that was it. Crazy. It's Yeah, it was crazy. I, I wish I could have gotten the guy to get in, in touch. But like I said, it was one of those things where, you know, people call in all the time coast to coast. Yeah, There's yeah, just yeah. no way to, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to sort of get that information. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's, sorry, going back to, uh, yeah. Gatsby Mansion, that, that's a proper haunted house. It's right. a terrible secret and you have to give people stuff so they don't talk about it. <laughs> Pretty much. That I believe. <laughs> it's when a place ends up on the travel channel where they <laughs> start to get leery or God forbid in a movie. Or wherever the Warrens turn up. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Those two are horrible on every conceivable level. Uh, yeah. Not only do they manufacture things wholesale, but then they profit off it. Yeah. You know, I, I truly enjoyed the first Conjuring movie as a ghost story. It, yeah. It's fun. It's scary. It, it's just a well-put-together movie. I like the director, James Wan. Mm-hmm. He does great stuff. But despite what you hear from Ed and Lorraine, okay, just Lorraine, if you hear anything from Ed at this point, it's going to be the buzzing of flies. <laughs> uh, the whole thing was the whole thing was real. They, they say this timeline was compressed for film. But otherwise, everything happened just as described, and the evil history of the property stands for itself. Right. And they're not alone in this. Andrea Perrin, who lived on the property the Warrens claimed to have investigated, wrote her own excruciating trilogy of books about (laughs) it called House of Darkness, House of Light, which has now been exhaustively debunked by the people who lived there. Right. Uh, I'm going to link to a video in the show notes for anyone who wants to see exactly how much nonsense that woman used in her garbage (laughs) books. So they're not alone, but they're the alpha bullshitter. They're, yeah. They're like the giant whale on whose skin barnacles like House of Darkness, House of Light grow. I have not read those books. Are they really that bad? No one has ever read those books. <laughs> no one has ever read all three. I'm certain of it. Imagine, I'm trying to think how to put it. Imagine the Fifty Shades trilogy. Yeah. Except each book is roughly 500 pages full of badly made up ghost stories, half thought out philosophy, and the only one getting f- to the people who bought it. Wow. Okay, then. I I agree with you, though. I I do. I mean, I agree with you. The Conjuring was a really good movie. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, but I have a hard time watching it again because the Warrens are characters in it. And knowing kind of what we know, I just sort of have to pretend there's someone else. Yeah, some other Ed and Lorraine. Like Ed and Lorraine, not a sex criminal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that's that's actually a fair assessment. Just so everyone knows, I am not making that up. There's a big lawsuit happening over the Conjuring franchise right now. Uh, yeah, and it, re- it really is a franchise, actually. At this point, there's two Conjuring movies, mm-hmm. two Annabelle movies. The Nun is coming at some point. They've actually more effectively built the horror universe by accident than Universal Studios, who actually set out to do it with that god-awful mummy movie. <laughs> not good. No, no, no. Uh, movie nerd moment. Yeah. The Tom Cruise movie. Sorry, the Tom Cruise Mummy movie co-starred Annabelle Wallace, who also starred in the first Annabelle movie. Yeah, okay. That's, <laughs> uh, am I going to end up like this if I keep watching movies with these little pieces of useless trivia? Because I do not want that. Just for that, here's another one. Oh, Jesus. The first Annabelle movie was directed by John R. Leonetti, who also directed Mortal Kombat Annihilation, 
which was the movie the kids were allegedly trying to see in the first Black Eyed Kids story reported by Brian Bethel. The Black Eyed Kids have infiltrated Hollywood. Boom. There's a book right there. Oh, Jesus. Oh, and under 15 USC 107, I declared no one else may say any of the words in that sentence until I write said book. <laughs> no one is going to get that. Someone will. <laughs> and it'll be worth it. <laughs> Now that Brennan's done being mad about something only he saw on the internet. I wasn't the only one. Let's get back to the Warrens. Like I said, there's a big lawsuit happening over the Conjuring franchise, and during the discovery process, it came out that at some point in the 60s, Ed Warren moved another woman into his house with Lorraine's blessing, and they began a 40-year relationship. And that I don't necessarily have a problem with, consenting adults, blah, 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 but the girl was 15... When Ed moved her in. Yeah, no. To make it even worse, at this point in Ed's career, he was in his mid-30s and still a bus driver in Monroe, Connecticut. Oh, God. And you know how he met the girl whose name was Judith? She was a student who rode the bus. God, it's just the worst. Oh, it is seriously messed up. There's a lot more in the legal declaration she made in 2014, and Brennan will post a link to an article in Hollywood Reporter, which gives all the information in detail, but we're not going to dwell on it here. No. Because no. um, that's horror, <laughs> all on its own. Yeah, true enough. If we're going to make fun of something, let's make fun of the work they did and not the lives they messed up. Yes. And, and actually, that reminds me, uh, we should spare a, a brief thought for Lorraine. Now, I do not like her at all. And I believe she's misled everyone for decades and done incalculable damage to the credibility of this thing we're all trying to figure out. Mm. But according to Judith's declaration, she witnessed Ed strike Lorraine on more than one occasion. Yeah. Once so hard she lost consciousness. Not cool. And we talked about Ed on the Annabelle episode, so, you know, if you want to hear more, go back to that. Yeah. Uh, But it bears repeating. Ed Warren was, in my opinion, a piece of shit bully and a fraud and doesn't deserve to be remembered as anything else. I'm no great fan of Lorraine and I hold her responsible for a lot, but she suffered. Well, yeah, and and one of the cases the Warrens helped sell, um, and some people think is real, is Amityville. And that one really grates on me. Oh, yeah. No, a, a terrible movie followed by worse sequels. Mm-hmm. And didn't they try and make a new one with Ryan, Ryan Reynolds a while ago? Yeah, they did. I think it was 2005, but it, it, it was better than the original, but it wasn't great. And they actually sequeled that one, too, but it was so bad, the studio sat on it for a couple of years, then finally gave it away for free on Google Play last year. They gave it away for free? They gave it away for free. <laughs> I mean, I, I took it because it was free. Of course you did. But I haven't actually watched it yet. It has Bella Thorne and the dad from that 70s show, so I'm sure it's high cinema. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, if, there's, if there's anyone who doesn't know the Amityville case, we'll give it a quick recap. Uh, sometime around 3 a.m. on the morning of November 13th, 1974 in Amityville, New York, uh, which is a small town on Long Island, Ronald DeFeo Jr. shot his family to death in their beds. Six people in all, uh, including his parents and siblings, Butch, as Ronald Jr. was also known, ran into a local bar around 6.30 that night claiming someone had killed his parents. After he was put in protective police custody, Butch's story started to fall apart, and then by the next day he had confessed the murders. And I didn't know this, but he tried to blame a mob hitman? Like, why would he do that? Why not just a burglar? As it turns out, and I just learned this myself, Ron Sr.'s uncle was Peter DeFeo, who actually ran a crew in the Genovese crime family in New York. So there, there was a tenuous connection to organized crime. But still, how likely is that? That he killed his nephew and the entire family, but left one person alive to tell the tale. (laughs) Is he a ghost pirate? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Yeah. A ghost pirate having killed the DeFeos would actually make for a better story. Yeah. Having Javier Bardem's character from Dead Men Tell No Tales (laughs) would actually be more entertaining than this. And I hated that movie with the fire of a thousand suns. No, I I hear you. No, uh, Butch DeFeo straight up killed his family. And then he went to work. 
he, he was charged, tried, and convicted of the murders, and, and is, so far as I know, still in prison. Wow. Um, with no one in the DeFeo family left to take possession of the house at the time, it was put up for sale. And uh, in December 1975, the Lutz family bought it for $80,000. That's the equivalent of $379,000 in today's money. Okay, so pretty reasonable then for a house in 73. It's, it's a big five-bedroom, three-and-a-half-bath Dutch colonial with a heated pool and boathouse. Hmm. So I maybe? I yeah. don't know. Um, but interestingly, the value hasn't increased as much as you might think. How do you mean? Well, I had a look, and it actually went up for sale again in 2016. Because uh, the house obviously is still standing, and it went up for a hundred eight. Sorry, it went up for eight hundred and fifty thousand, which is a lot. But when you consider the size of the place, it's not crazy, right? I, I don't even think Satan could negotiate a pact to get you a five thousand square foot house around here for that price. No, no way. No, no, not yeah. on the water. No, no, that's it. Yeah, and not only that, but they had to drop the price to sell it. It finally sold last year for six hundred and five thousand. Wow, there are condos here that cost that much. Small I, condos. I know. So, do you think the haunted house history hurt it? It didn't make a difference for the Lutzes, because when they bought the place in 75, they knew of the history, and they didn't care. George said, no, it's fine. Really? Yeah. Okay, so I have to know. If you knew a house had someone murdered in it, would you buy it? Uh, I don't know. Maybe? But, I mean, it would have to be a smoking deal. And there's no way in hell I'd want 5,000 square feet. No, 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 That is some Xanadu-level shit. (laughs) Can you imagine how hard it would be to keep clean? I'd close, like, four of the five bedrooms. Oh, dude. (laughs) We have a two-bedroom apartment, and we have someone come in every week to clean for us. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I I guess, honestly, my answer is I wouldn't buy a house. I've been a homeowner. I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. So, you know, whether someone had been murdered in it or not, I don't think I'd buy a house. But how about you? Would you buy a murder house? Um... It would depend. I mean, it certainly wouldn't help the sale. Right. Um, But if I really, really liked the house and it was a good price and I had spent some time in it just sort of absorbing what was going on in there, eh, because I mean, not every murder leaves- As long as you didn't hear any voices going- (laughs) (laughs) Not every murder leaves a blazing trail in the spiritual environment. No. Um, So, but that many people murdered? Oof. Okay, so now this raises an interesting question. What is the what's the tipping point? What's the murder tipping point? <laughs> like like if we shoot a, if we shoot three people, it's okay. But if we shoot that fourth, then we've tipped over. And what if it's a baby? Like so, well, is see, it like three and a half? My experience has been that when there is a murder in a house, a lot of times they'll knock the house down and build a new one. Really? Yeah, and um, or change the address. Uh, okay. Well, they they have eventually done that for Amityville. Yeah, it used to be I think one twelve Ocean Drive, and I think it's uh, it's different now. It's like yeah. one hundred eight or something. Yeah, uh, yeah, partially because they had a lot of dildos coming by to gawk at the place. See, that would bother me. The gawking. The gawking. Yeah, that would be an issue. Um, so if I knew that it was, <laughs> I don't know, not a press friendly murder. <laughs> I don't know how you would decide that. But if there wasn't a lot known about it, and you know, husband wife domestic dispute, she shot him, whatever. Um, that's that's it's like you thought about that. That's very specific. Like you know, these things all have to kind of be thought about. Wow. I don't know. So I don't know. It, I I'll tell you. What, here's my answer. I would decide on a case-by-case basis. Oh, okay. So if you were offered a series of murder houses, you'll have your formula in place. Yes. Now I'm ready. I, I thought I was the morally bank up on Jesus. <laughs> and can I rent them out? That's right. <laughs> can I Airbnb my murder house? Can I house? Airbnb my murder oh, house? Man. There's no legal precedent for me to have to declare it. You capitalist I'm just swine. renting. You oh. could probably rent it for more if it's a murder house. I mean, Jesus, people pay $250 yeah. a night to stay in Lizzie Borden house. There you go. And that place sucks. There you go. <laughs> I hear it's up for sale again. Is it? Yeah. So before we delve into the wild stupidity of the Amityville haunting that wasn't, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. 
I'm Brennan Store, And I'm Ian Jibs. Is that right? Close enough. We're here today to talk to you about studio headphones. They sent me the studio regent, and despite being the only man on God's earth who's used $5,000 headphones, I still enjoy their long battery life and stylish design. Also, they fit my enormous head. That's 24 plus hours of active battery life and 20 days of standby life. Though they will connect to any Bluetooth device, they also come with an auxiliary cord in case you don't want to use the Bluetooth option. It really does make the Regent the perfect companion at home or on the go. If you'd like to get your own pair of Studio headphones, go to studio.com, that's S-U-D-I-O.com, and enter the promo code GhostStoryGuys at checkout for 15% off your order. Again, that's studio.com, S-U-D-I-O.com. And enter the promo code GhostStoryGuys at checkout for 15% off your order. I've done what you've asked. Now will you stop texting me with kissy face emojis? No deal. Jesus. Why does the script say two-man ad break? We haven't recorded anything. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's fine. Uh, moving on, we were talking about Amityville. Okay, so uh, the Lutz family moved in on December 19th, 1975, and at the assistance of a friend who knew the history of the house, they had it blessed by a Catholic priest. According to the story as told in the book, The Amityville Horror by Jay Anson, that priest, Father Pecoraro, because of course he was Italian, well, like any good Catholic, was blessing a room on the second floor when he heard a male voice saying, get out. He didn't say anything at the time, but six days later, he called George Lutz to tell him to stay out of that particular room. What a helpful priest. And nobody patries, get out. That was weird. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm sure it was probably just an angry mouse. <laughs> Six days later, he's organizing his collection of black socks and thinks, wait, mice don't speak human words when you flick holy water near them. I should call that nice man and tell him not to use one of the rooms in his house. Right? Because what's he going to do? Board it up? <laughs> because demons can't get through two by fours? The power of red western cedar compels you. <laughs> Anyway, this uh, great priest tried to warn him off using the room, which Kathy had planned to make a sewing room, but the story goes that the line was then flooded by static and George couldn't hear him. Now, I'm of two minds about this because I've had the static thing happen. Yeah, yeah. Back when our office was on the second floor of the building, I couldn't talk on the phone about the activity in there while inside the building. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, huh. I, I remember one time I was talking to my cousin. The signal was fine until we got onto that subject, and then it started getting staticky. And this is on your cell phone? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, eventually, the static just covered the whole connection, and then it went quiet, and I heard what sounded like a voice speaking, but it was pitched low, like a tape that had been slowed down, ki- kind of like... Oh, that's not good. No, it sounded just like that. That would be really scary. So I figured it was my cousin talking, just distorted because of the signal. So I hung up, called him back. And it wasn't until he asked me what I'd been saying before the line went dead that I realized neither of us had been talking. Oh, so then who was? Who the hell knows? Wow. It sounded like a voice. And if it was interference, I have never heard anything like it again. Except once. Oh, no. Yes. So a few nights later, a friend and I wrote for a drive around one in the morning, because of course. this is my life, Yeah, listening to the police scanner. <laughs> also my life. Nerd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the way the scanner works, you can't hear all the conversations, yeah. but you get a lot of them. And you get used to the rhythm. So like I said, it was 1 a.m. We were headed up to the Chevy lot so we could look at a couple cars. At 1 a.m., because you're weird. Yep. No, yeah. no argument here. All right. So on the way there, I was telling him about this conversation and, and the strange voice when, within a few minutes... The voices on the scanner were cut off mid-sentence, everything went quiet, and then I heard that voice again, the slowed down one from the tape, or sorry, the slowed down tape one from the office, but it was on the police band and it was laughing. Oh. It was, it was kind of like, oh, 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 yeah, but worse. And it only lasted a couple seconds, we both heard it, 
And then the feed went back and the dispatcher spoke. No one mentioned anything. Okay, that's really scary because not only is it doing that, but that means it's listening to you and following you around. Yes. Oh, not cool. Not 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 cool. And so going back to the office, I took my phone during that conversation itself. I took my phone outside, continued it, continued talking about spooky stuff. And eventually we talked, we started talking about something else. And I thought, I, I, I got to get back inside to work. So I went back in the, in the office. No problems on the, no problem with connection whatsoever. Yeah. Then the, the conversation, because we have long conversations, um, drifted back to spooky stuff, interference. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's not, I've heard of things like it. I still think most of Amityville is crap, but that particular thing has happened. Well, George Lodge said it happened to him, but I'm not convinced either. And you think he'd just go over to the priest and ask, right? Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It's not like he's in another state. If a priest calls you in the blue after having blessed your house, you think he might be a little curious about what he wants to say to you. No, he's probably just calling to compliment us on our tasteful floral arrangements (laughs) and nothing else. (laughs) Living in a murder house sure is swell, isn't it, bleeding wall? (laughs) That supposedly happened as well. At one point during the 28 days they lived in the house. George, who I should mention died in 2006, two years after Kathy, said the walls and keyholes bled a kind of green ooze. That was later, though. At first, the stuff was allegedly subtle. Cold spots, the odor of excrement, and poor father provolone. Pecoraro. Whatever. He's Italian. It doesn't really matter. After his visit to the house, he was said to have developed a high fever and blisters on his hands. Except Father Parmigiano never went anywhere near the house. He knew Kathy Lutz from her first marriage. But when George approached him about having a blessing done, he referred the family to another parish priest who they never bothered to contact. Huh. So it's almost like they made things up to sell a book. You think? Jesus. Uh, George claimed that something would regularly wake him up at 3.15 a.m., which was the time Butch killed his family. And George would then get dressed and check the boathouse. I'm not sure why the boathouse specifically. Because people who own boats are assholes. I'm sure the only reason he kept checking the boathouse was because at 3.15 a.m., there was no one else around to hear him talk about owning a boat. I own a boat. (coughs) Oh, nice. You were talking about demons? Yeah, I'm sitting across from one. Captain. Uh, (laughs) Ahoy! (laughs) Anyway, without your elitist... Says the guy with the boat! (laughs) It's it's not a big boat. Oh, well, that's okay then. (laughs) One night while tending the fire, George and Kathy saw the image of a demon with its head blown out, burned into the soot at the back of the fireplace. Jesus, they really went for it with this thing. I, I mean... It's like a Rorschach test. You see exactly, what you want yeah, to see, no, right? That's, that's what I'm trying to get my head around. Yeah. Oh, and also, I think I see Satan if I if I hit myself in the head a bunch. And I squint. Yeah, if I yeah. take these quaaludes and then throw myself down the stairs <laughs> and then quickly look at that ink pattern test. <laughs> and rub garlic into my eyes. Yeah, 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 that helps too. So, George claimed he was also woken up in the dead of night by the sound of the front door slamming, but when he went downstairs to check the door, it was closed and locked. And the family dog hadn't moved. Later, he said an unseen force destroyed the doors, windows, and the locks. In fact, he says it was so powerful, the, the, uh, there was such a powerful wind, it literally tore the heavy front door off its hinges. I feel like there's a butt coming. But the original fixtures are all in place and untouched. Ah. There you go. There were other things, too. Uh, the family said there were demonic hoof prints in the snow outside the home. But weather records from that time show there was no snow for days on either side of the date they specified. And how the hell do you know it's demonic and not just some poor dumbass deer wandering around well, looking for snacks? we know what it's like with deer around here. They're yeah. everywhere. Um, in Jay Anson's book, the Lutzes said the events of their final day were too frightening to describe. But we found an interview from 2010 where George tries and it doesn't make much <laughs> sense. This is what he said. 
Quote, the boys came down in the morning absolutely frightened. They were unable to get down to me, and I was unable to get up to them. Missy came in and just asked, what was all that about? And Kathy had no memory of much of it. End quote. So they came down, but they were unable to get down. Yep. This, this is like a teenage girl <laughs> telling you about the fight she had with her best friend. <laughs> My head hurts. I know. I know. Don't think about it too hard. The story goes they left the house that day, leaving all their stuff behind. They moved into Kathy's mother's place, but according to George, the haunting followed them. Or I should say, according to George, sometimes <laughs> the book describes the haunting as following them, but that wasn't always part of the story when he told it over the years. Ugh. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Warrens became involved after they left, right? After the Lutz family left the house? They did. After the Lutzes left, they started to tell their story. And sell it, and the house became famous. A bunch of different so-called investigators went through, the Warrens included, and they all concluded the house was beyond hell. Oh, of course. According to one of the many uh, charlatans who went through the place, the land was infested with demons because the Shinnecock Indians who'd once lived there had used it as a place of abandonment for their, quote, sick, mad, and dying, end quote. Because, you know, we're afraid of brown people, and so we'll attribute any grotesque behavior to them we like. Right. Never mind that there's nothing I'm aware of in First Nations history to suggest something so barbaric was done. But the Shinnecock people lived nowhere near Amityville. Right. I looked this up. They lived 50 miles east of Amityville. Yeah. Christ on a bike. You know, actually, there, there's something I read. I'm just going to jump in for sure, a second. Sure, yeah. Uh, While well, researching this episode, I found a, a New Republic article which excerpts part of a chapter from Colin Dickey's Ghostland, which you should absolutely read. Okay. And it was called The Suburban Horror of the Indian Burial Ground. Dickey's claim is that the Amityville Horror was what put in people's heads the idea of their comfortable middle-class homes being built on Indian burial grounds. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, let me say, I, I know there's some debate about the proper terminology to use here, and, and I, I truly don't know what the preferred term is. So I'm it gonna, changes a lot. Yeah, so I'm yeah. going to say Indian, but if I'm wrong, please let me know. Um, you know, I don't want to, you know. And, 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 like, it, people talk about, uh, you know, it's it's too easy to offend people, but, you know, I think this thing for a long time, we have not given a rat's ass what anyone thinks. Right. Which is not the same thing. Like, that's right. not a good thing. No, so, again, no, if, if no. I do get it wrong, I, it's not my intention to be disrespectful. Yeah. This time. I mean, I can, <laughs> sometimes I am intentionally disrespectful. So the whole idea of that whole First Nations burial ground thing, which you hear a lot in the paranormal world, including like the movie Poltergeist. Yeah, yeah. Um, comes from the BS that was made up here? Apparently, yeah. That's, that's wow. what Dickie says. Uh, it's a really fascinating read, and I'm going to link it in the show notes, but this little passage sums up a lot of what he has to say. The narrative of the haunted Indian burial ground hides a certain anxiety about the land on which Americans, specifically white middle-class Americans, live. Embedded deep in the idea of home ownership, the holy grail of American middle-class life, mm. is the idea that we don't, in fact, own the land we've just bought. If you're willing to see this conflict over land as the basis of many of our ghost stories, then it won't be surprising that so much of America is haunted. There's precious little land in the United States that hasn't been contested one way or another through the years. Americans live on haunted land because we have no other choice. Hmm. And I, I don't really have a point. I just thought it was kind of interesting. No, it is. But uh, you were so you were saying the Warrens and other notable windbags went through and said the house had the scariest. <laughs> they did. There's a 2005 interview with GhostVillage.com where George Lutz basically doubles down on everything he said up to that point. And the interviewer says they had recently spoken to Lorraine Warren, who said. Amityville is a case that affected our personal lives more than any case we've ever worked on because it followed us. It followed us right here to our home. It followed us on the road. We had very dangerous things happen to us as a result of the Amityville case. Of course, tremendous dangerous things, which I cannot prove in any way (laughs) because my dog ate my homework while my husband and I were pressuring his living mistress to get an abortion. Oh, They did that. No, that's messed up. Yeah, not only that, but according to the woman's own statement, after she had it done, they left her at home to go to a lecture. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? 
We'd love to stay and offer any basic standard of human decency, but this tapestry of lies isn't going to weave itself. <sighs> Toodles. Oh, my Lord. That is unbelievable. And yet so many people still think of them the way they're being portrayed in the movies. I know. It's it's nuts. And again, I, I get that it's fiction. But yeah. at the same time, these are real people. And yeah. th- th- they're an incredibly pious way they're portrayed. Well, and how do you think that woman who did live that nightmare for 40 years, how do you think she feels when she sees those movies? I do wonder. I mean, she's yeah. 70 herself now. Oh. And, and I mean, obviously she stayed there, so you think maybe there's, it's hard to know, like, she wasn't a prisoner. Right. But at the same time, you think when you get someone that young, I mean, what are the boundaries? And what are their choices? That too. Yeah, and yeah. She would have had nothing of her own. And you assume, you know, if, if they're if she's fifteen and she's moving in, she's probably coming from not a great background. Yeah. So you you start off at a bit of a disadvantage. And, Absolutely. A bit, at a disadvantage. Hugely. No, yeah. it's it's gross. There's and, a real power problem there. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's it. That's a major power yeah. imbalance. I yeah. just I can't do it. And so yeah, when I see the the really sort of loving and holy portrayal in those movies, I get all. All out of whack. Yeah. And the other thing I find really goading, too, is the fact that their sort of pious appearance is what one of the things Lorraine used to get her to have that abortion. Right. Now, again. Oh, like what would people think? Exactly. If, oh, my yeah. Lord. Now, I'm not opposed to abortion. That's, I mean, that's not a conversation for no, the show. No, but no, I, but no, I, no, I, no, I'm, I'm – I'm I'm pro people having the right to do whatever the hell. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. I think if you if there are religious consequences to, to these actions, they will be delivered in the afterlife, right. and it is not our place to affect legislation on the basis of religious grounds. But anyways, um, it just it's gross. Yep. It's gross using piety that kind of crap. You know what will God say? You yeah. know what will people say about? Oh, they'll say you're a son of a bitch, <laughs> which is what you are. <laughs> anyways, yeah, we know better now, I guess, and and. Dear listeners, you do too. Yeah. So uh, we, we should bring all this home. This has gone longer than I anticipated. Uh, I don't suppose you have some kind of slam dunk proof that could put this bullshit baby to bed? Well, how about the statement given by uh, Butch Defoe's lawyer, William Weber, in the September 17th, 1979 edition of People Magazine? I know this book's a hoax. We created this <laughs> horror story over many bottles of wine. Weber's place in the whole thing was to leverage the way the house affected George Lutz, who also claimed he began to experience violent thoughts as a result of the so say demonic activity as a possible appeal for Butch. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yep. I guess that does it. Yep. Uh, before we go, though, I should add that in 2005, Kathy Lutz's son, Christopher, uh, pardon me, Christopher Quartino, gave an interview to the Seattle Times about the family's time in Amity. Right. And uh, Quartino was seven when they moved in, and he says the house absolutely is haunted, but he says that every version told is not only inaccurate, but wildly overblown. And and of course, after everything we've said, that's not a super surprise. But what was surprising was what Quartino said about George Lutz. He said Lutz came into the house with an interest in the occult, Uh, and that basically he brought on the activity by attempting to contact the spirit world. Really? Yeah, he says, he claims Lutz wasn't exactly practicing black magic, because that's not black magic, but- It was some kind of attempt at summoning. Yikes. Uh, he and Lutz didn't get along, so you want to bear that in mind and just maybe take this with a grain of salt, mm-hmm. but this is this is what he claims. And, and Quartino says the dramatic stuff, like the doors getting ripped away, never happened. There was paranormal activity, uh, but not on the scale described. He said that he saw a shadow person that dissipated as it approached him. Uh, and there were other things, too. He said there were voices and, and, and strange things that happened, but things that fall within the context of hauntings that we're familiar with. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like a lot of famous ghost stories, I think this one has some truth bound up in it, but it's nothing like it was portrayed on screen. Yeah, it makes sense. All right. Well, coming up after the break, we've got some follow-up from our fairy episode and listener mail. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back. Big thanks to our researcher, Luke Greensmith, for and his work. not Greenfield. Yeah, not Greenfield. Oh, Luke Greensmith on a, for his work and helping us bring this episode together. We've got a couple of big episodes coming up, and we are going to be working this poor guy hard. Yeah, yeah. Over the next four to six weeks, we're finally going to have our two-part episode on Skinwalker Ranch, uh, plus an, an episode on a mystery topic that I've recently heard about. And what was that one again? That one's a secret. Uh, I'll tell you about it once we're done. But yeah, it won't be the it won't be the dream episode, will it? Because that's never actually happening, is it? <laughs> it is. No, it is. We got lots of dream stories. I just I have to figure out a way to. I don't know. I, I I'm trying to figure out a way to tell that story. Okay. You know. It's, yeah. No. It's, I hear you. Yeah. Anyways, I'm working on it. Okay. So the secret episode? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, no, I've, I've got a book on the way, and uh, once I've had a chance to read through it, I'll know whether or not it's doable. Yeah, sounds good to me. All right, let's head straight to the mailbag. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. Our first message comes from Lindsay, who you may recall from our anniversary episode. She told us about a series of unusual dreams, some of which we told and some were holding. She followed up with some really interesting stuff, not only dream-based, but some stories about the woods that actually reminded me of something I experienced with a friend of mine years ago. Uh, I think we're going to do a whole episode about strange things in the woods, so we're going to save those for then. Uh, but thank you so much, Lindsay. A- and she was the one who I, her sleep sort of dreams she didn't actually sleepwalk but her dreams of sleepwalking yes. uh you know made me think of that those cases where people had been murdered while sleepwalking yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh so she she said well it's good to know i'm not going to kill my parents yeah but, <laughs> yeah that's not what i, I know i'm yeah. glad you brought her some comfort I, yeah i guess i'm glad she's still listening i think is what we should be happy for <laughs> next we have Teresa, who hosts the peculiar mayhem podcast you can find her at peculiarmayhem.com. she had some very kind words for us and said she was in tears at least a story in episode 22 and i'm really happy that people are connecting with that one yeah me too Teresa also said you really don't want to be buds with zach baggins do you nope nope that was easy thanks for writing Teresa. again you can check out her show at peculiarmayhem.com we had two sets of stories from sheree who will be which we'll be sharing on an upcoming episode uh sheree also listens to my radio show largely the truth wednesdays at 8 p.m <laughs> pacific on 92.5 stoke fm and via the web at stokefm.com oh uh, which i really appreciate she she's listened <laughs> the last couple of weeks so thank you as always sheree Amanda wrote back to us to tell her she thinks she knows why the activity in her place increased, and it was because of one of her cats was about to pass. Aww. Yeah, we're sorry to hear that, Amanda, but it sounds like Leo's still hanging around, and that's kind of nice. Yeah, I, 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 I can't say anything. I, I can't do dead cats. I know, it's but, hard. But thank you for writing in, Amanda. Uh, next up is Casey, who I, for some boneheaded reason, went back to calling Cassandra in my reply email. Thanks for keeping in touch. I appreciate it. Uh, and I've mentioned on previous episodes, I'm headed to Southern California soon and may have free time to meet up with listeners if they're available. Uh, but I can't promise anything at the moment because it is a, f- a family trip. I'm right. going with someone. Yeah. Um, but as soon as I know for sure, I'll put up a message on the Facebook page. Sounds good. We also had a message from Alexa who was uh, sentenced a little bit of fairy lore concerning black dogs, mm. which was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, on the last episode, I told a personal story from when I was in Ireland and had a bit of a strange, un- bit of an uncomfortable experience, I guess I would say, with a, a black dog that followed me. Yep. So that was kind of cool. So thank you, Alexa, for sending that in. Uh, again, I've managed to escape the fairies thus far. Did you see that story about the skier from Toronto who turned up in California six days later claiming not to know how he got there? No. Yeah, it's uh, he, he was skiing in New York State somewhere. I don't specifically remember where, but he was a fireman, I think, from Toronto. And he didn't come down the hill. His And then six days later, he, he called his wife from California. Wow. And he says he, he doesn't really remember much. He uh-huh. says he remembers sleeping a lot. He remembers maybe being in a big rig truck of some kind, and he remembers, yeah, that's about it. 
Wow. He, he ended up, I can't remember the name of the town. It's uh, Again, I'll, I'll try and po- remember to post the link in the show notes. But, yeah. But yeah. Interesting. Six days gone. Wow. Weirdest thing. Makes or you, well, I, I mean, or a great excuse. Yeah, I mean, this sounds like that episode of Breaking Bad. So yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much into it, but it's kind of <laughs> interesting. I think it's going to do it for listener. I know we said we're going to tell Emmett's story. Um, the episodes have started running long, yeah. and so we're going to have to try and find a different forum for listener stories. Right. And I'm thinking maybe that can be part of the function of the bonus episode. Okay. Because we, you know, we've talked about maybe doing a bonus episode yeah. once a month. Yeah. So once I'm back from from my trip. Well, maybe we'll start looking at that because we love when you saw, when you all send us stories. Yeah. We definitely want to keep hearing them and we want to be able to share them. It's just definitely. what we find is, yeah, but by, you know, we want to keep the episodes to around an hour in length. And what starts happening is, you know, we start running into an hour, hour and a half territory and yeah. uh, it just doesn't really work out. So, yeah, so we're going to figure that out. But please keep sending your stories. Thank you to everyone who wrote in. Yeah, and if, for sure. if I missed you, please shoot me an email and let me know because, like I said, I'm not super organized when it comes to email. <laughs> and especially if things come, because we get things through, you know, there's Instagram now, yeah. Twitter. Yeah, I know. Once things start coming in from other places, it's really hard to keep track. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, if we were more organized, well, I guess we're going to have to be. But uh, I think we're going to have to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. We'd also like to give a shout out to Ilan Sheedy of Uncle Frank Productions, who does very cool horror movie greeting cards you can find at potostudios.com. And uh, keep an eye out for Uncle Frank Productions horror events springing up around the world. You can find Uncle Frank Productions on Facebook or at unclefrankproductions.com. And you know, you may just find a ghost story guy at one of those events. Stranger things have happened. I'd like to thank our musical guest on this episode, The Abyss. You can find the rest of the, his catalog at soundcloud.com slash radio abyss and the song we played on this episode is the outlands yeah and please remember to rate and review us on itunes share us on facebook wherever your social media wanderings take you it all helps and uh you would be surprised how many new listeners we get simply because you guys are sharing it so thank you for doing that yeah very very much so um actually we've seen a nice little uptick in numbers oh excellent yeah yeah our average downloads have gone up uh, by a couple hundred over the last month or so so that's pretty cool wow soon Uh, we'll be making tens of dollars literally dollars (laughs) um but canadian dollars yeah yeah so yeah, yeah, American pennies. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, and we we had some sales from the store, and so um, if you have bought something from the store and you would like a free sticker or some free stickers, we will send them to you. Yeah. Just send us an email and let us know. Uh, we, I have figured out we can actually access the emails of the people who bought stuff from us. Cool. But I don't want to spam them. Yeah. So I get if, that. if you have bought something and you would like some stickers, let us know and we'll drop them in the mail. Cool. And. Um, and where can they buy? Of course, yeah. Our our store is ghoststoryguys.threadless.com, and we have a great selection of T-shirts, notepads, carrier bags. Perfect. Uh, shower curtain. Shower curtain, yeah, pillows. Loves it. Pillows, yeah. <laughs> Got one of the pillows in the next room here. Uh, did you ever figure out whether or not you own the rights to your cover? I sent an email, but I do not remember, so let me double check okay. on that. Because you can buy right now. You've got two different Ghost Story Guys designs. And we've got uh, my the cover to my book. Right. And hopefully we'd like to get the cover to Ian's book. That would be fun, well. yeah. And if I mean if everyone out there is artistic and you want to do a version a take on our logo, we'd love to see it. Well, you know? Totally. That'd be amazing. Yeah. So I mean you feel free to send that to ghoststoryguys at gmail dot com. And if you have any ghost stories, again, we'd love to hear from you. Ghoststoryguys yeah. at gmail dot com or via the Facebook page yeah. at Ghost Story Guys. And, of course, I'm on Instagram and Twitter, at Large of the Truth. We do have a Ghost Story Guys Twitter account. We don't really use it. No. Twitter's dead, people. Let's just accept it. Yeah. The great prognosticator. (laughs) You're like that guy back in, I don't know, something like 1850 who said, everything that can be invented has been. (laughs) TV, it's a fad. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) 
Yeah, what is this internet thing? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so if you want to get a hold of us on there, just tag me at largely the truth. Uh, you want to add us on Facebook? Feel free. Um, we're on there. You've been getting a ton of Facebook requests. Crazy. Which yeah, is, it's now it's tapped out. It's full. That's nuts. Yeah, I'm at five thousand friends. Friends. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's been nuts. I so. and, and you said that started when we put out that. Which is funny because I've had none. <laughs> <laughs> that says a lot, I think. Yeah, I think it Who does. Who would you rather sit beside on a bus? Yeah. That's true. No, you, they would rather sit next to you. <laughs> I'm not a very nice person. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Thanks to Bizantum Music for our intro and outro music. You can find him online at soundcloud.com slash Music. Uh, I did a spot on the... Uh, Spirit Radio, which uh, is has aired now, but I'll post the link in the show notes, and that was just an hour-long interview I did. Yep. And I also do a weekly music show on Stoke FM. That's largely the truth, and you can find that, again, on 92.5 Stoke FM if you're in the, if you're in the Royal Stoke area. Nice. Or uh, via the web at stokefm.com, and I do that at 8 p.m. Pacific on Wednesdays. Excellent. That yeah. sounds good. And uh, until next time, I think that's going to do it. Yeah. So we'll be back in two weeks, and until then, into the darkness we go. I really didn't I didn't Mm -hmm. catch that (laughs) We're coming for you (laughs) Oh he's so sweaty (laughs) Jesus Oh boy Oh boy Cold meds I take Right So I'm taking half Of a two pack of Sinutab The liquid gel Nyquil one So I take one of them Not two I take 10 milliliters Of codeine cough syrup I pop a cold aside, which is a blood pressure friendly cold medication, and I take uh, an Advil. Wow. That oh, is uh, a special cocktail of drugs. I sleep. I bet you do. <laughs> do you wake up? Is my question. I do around 8 30. Oh, that's early. Well, no, that's late. <laughs> <laughs> oh, at night? Yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, I take them around 6.30, 7 p.m., and I'm out until the next night. <laughs> the cat woke me up at, what, 8 the other morning? I was so annoyed. You're like, what? There's an 8 in the morning? It's wasteful. Why have two? <laughs> Jesus. Welcome. Really? One word. Well, I, I felt like it was, shut up. Shut okay. Up. The G-MILF. <laughs> the G-MILF. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.